This is Project Keto. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast is a result of my lifelong experience searching for the answers to my health struggles. I'm here to teach you the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating a ketogenic diet. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hello friends, we're back for another episode and this is season 5, episode 15. It's so fun that we've made it so far with this carnivore season and I can see it just going on and on and on because there are so many different topics to talk about. So today we are going to be talking about two big triggers for weight gain on carnivore. Now this could apply to carnivore, but it could also apply to keto or most other diets as well. So if you're not doing carnivore, you'll still be learning something and can apply this to your life for sure. But before we jump right into that fun topic, I want to announce that I am opening up some time in my schedule to take on a few more clients. So anybody who's been wanting to get in and get personal help with your nutrition, whether you're doing a ketogenic diet or carnivore or none of that, or you have no idea what you should be eating, feel free to reach out to me and I would be happy to work with you. I'll start with just one single hour-long session, see your food journal, go over your paperwork, talk with you about your goals and what you're needing, what you're doing, what you want, and then give you a nice big plan, a lot of tips, a lot of personal suggestions for how to move ahead, and then you're off and on your way. And then it could be just one and done, or some people like to come back and repeat appointments and either have smaller appointments more frequently or longer appointments less frequently, whatever is going to fit for you so that you can stay on track with getting nice and healthy. So if you're wanting to look into this or let me know that you want an appointment, you can go to the link in the show notes and just click there or just go to projectketopodcast.com and there's a coaching tab. You can go there and fill out the inquiry form. But for now, we'll get back on track with the podcast. So our first common trigger for weight gain would be dairy. Dairy is such an addictive food that it makes people just want to keep eating more and more and more. It's very easy to overeat. It's very easy to eat too frequently because of a number of things. One reason why dairy is so addictive is because of its protein casein. So the protein in dairy is called casein which your body breaks down into casomorphins. And this causes your brain to release dopamine, which gives you a pleasure reward every time you eat dairy. So to make that more simple, you eat a piece of cheese or you eat any kind of dairy and the protein called casein breaks down into casomorphins that cause your brain to release a bunch of dopamine and then you feel pleasure and you feel reward. So that's not bad, that's not good, that's not anything, it's just it is what it is. So every time you have dairy you're getting a pleasure and a reward response. So that makes your body want more of that. It it wants to eat more dairy to feel better, to feel really good and it just kind of goes on and on and on and it becomes an addiction. So that would show up in real life like this. You're maybe feeling a little bit down, you're tired, you're sad, you're bored, 
and your brain knows that it wants this hit of dopamine and so it makes you want to eat a slice of cheese or it makes you want to have some ice cream or some cream or some cottage cheese, any of that stuff. And then you just go for it because you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to be an intuitive eater. I'm a carnivore. Dairy is totally fine, so I can just have as much of this as my body is craving. But you can see how it's not really a true craving that your body needs the dairy. It's that it, your body is wanting this hit of pleasure, this hit of reward. So that's why it can be so difficult for people to give up dairy, and that's why so many people are... They have an emotional reaction when you even suggest giving up dairy. It makes them feel bad in their in their mind. It doesn't they don't want to do that. And you wonder why why are you reacting with such an emotional response? You know, if somebody were to suggest, why don't you try giving up asparagus? Most people wouldn't respond with an emotional reaction where they feel defensive or aggressive or upset or sad about giving up something like asparagus or carrots. But with something like dairy, oftentimes people do react with an angry response when you even suggest it. And it's not anything to take personal. It's just that we know everybody is responding to dairy with these pleasure hits, with these rewards and these dopamine reactions. So when you give up dairy, it can feel frustrating, it can feel challenging because you're missing that pleasure response. But the good news is that if you just continue to fuel your body with really healthy fats, really healthy proteins, and some people would want to add in some targeted brain amino acids, which would be something to work either with a practitioner on or work with me on that or really do your research so that you know which brain amino acids work for food cravings. That can just take the whole uh, addiction issue out like right away. But we're talking about weight gain. So dairy can give people weight gain because it's easy to just overeat dairy because you're getting these pleasure and reward responses and then you eat too much of it. Even a couple of bites or a couple of ounces extra of too much dairy can make somebody just slowly gain weight or have the inability to lose weight altogether. Dairy is also one of the most common food sensitivities. With all of the clients I've ever worked with who have gone through an elimination diet where they cut out all the common food sensitivities and then one by one slowly add them back in, I have never found somebody who adds in dairy and doesn't have a reaction, meaning every single client I've ever worked with finds that they do react to dairy. So I'm not saying that everybody in the world reacts to dairy, I'm just saying that everybody I've worked with finds that they react to dairy and they prefer their life without dairy. And when you do continue to eat a food that you're sensitive to, like something that you're having a reaction to, most of the time that's going to cause you not to be able to lose weight. It's going to cause you to kind of hold on to weight or stay where you're at or actually continue to gain weight. Now this could be weight like body fat or oftentimes it can be water retention or puffiness or bloating or toxicity. So these are a lot of common reasons why people can't lose weight when they're eating 
dairy. Now, if you are going to continue to eat dairy, you might have success if you're choosing totally raw dairy. So raw cheeses, raw cream, that kind of thing, which for many people, you can't buy that at the grocery store, especially in the US, you can't buy raw milk or raw cream in the grocery store, and you have to buy it directly from a farmer who will sell that to you. I do know you can buy raw cheese. Also go for 100% grass-fed and grass-finished if you're going to be going for the dairy. There's a lot of people out there saying that it's not really any different if you choose corn-fed dairy uh, or corn-finished dairy, and it's just not that big of a difference, but I have to disagree. It is a big difference, and one of the main reasons is because of the lectins. So let's just step back for a moment and talk about lectins. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast at all. Lectins look very similar to insulin. Lectins bind to the insulin receptor site, which blocks insulin and stimulates weight gain and insulin resistance. Lectins also stimulate leaky gut and create gut inflammation, and they damage it they damage the tight junctions on the intestinal wall. Now lectins would be found in foods like nuts, seeds, grains, those sorts of things. So how does this apply to dairy? How does this apply to carnivore? Well, if you're choosing to eat the meat, the fat, or the dairy from a cow that's fed corn and soy, then that cow's meat, fat, and dairy is going to be loaded with lectins. So that cow is eating corn and, and soy, which is, those are super high lectin foods. And then you're going to eat the meat or the fat or the dairy. And that meat, fat, and dairy is going to be totally jam-packed, loaded, stuffed with lectins. And let's review again. Lectins, they look very, very similar to insulin. And then the lectins bind to the insulin receptor site, which blocks insulin. And that's going to make you gain weight and have insulin resistance. So if you're having a lot of dairy from cows that have been finished on corn or soy or other grains, it's likely that you are going to have trouble with weight loss. You're going to be having more of this insulin resistance issue. Your body is going to be stimulating weight gain. That's not a good thing. Lectins also are stimulating leaky gut. So we just talked about that a moment ago. It's not just the dairy from, you know, the cheese. It's not just the casein that's causing the leaky gut. It can also be the lectins in the conventional dairy or meat that you're eating. So leaky gut is when the intestinal wall starts to break down and it it's not a tight, you know, tight knit wall anymore. The wall begins to have these perforated holes. It starts to open up and create um, gaps and it's leaky. So that means food particles can travel past the intestinal wall into the bloodstream and then your body attacks the food in the bloodstream and you have a response. You have an immune reaction to that. And most of the time when people have trouble with leaky gut, they're puffy, they're inflamed, and they have weight gain. 
So remember, it's not that you are what you eat, it's that you are what your food ate. So you don't want to be eating animals, or cows at least, that are eating corn and soy, especially if it's GMO corn and soy. So just as a review, two big reasons why dairy is a common trigger for weight gain. One, because when you eat dairy, it gives your brain a dopamine reaction, which gives you pleasure and reward, and that makes people want to keep eating more and more and more and more, and then they can gain weight. Actually, there's three reasons. Two, dairy is a common food sensitivity and can cause people to gain weight just because of that. And three, dairy from cows that have been fed corn and soy is full of lectins, and the lectins can cause people to have insulin resistance and weight gain and also leaky gut. Now I do want to point out that butter works for most people. Butter only has a very tiny amount of casein in it, which is the protein which breaks down into the casomorphins, which gives you the dopamine reaction. So butter only has a very small amount of that in it, and most people do not get addicted to butter. So if you're going to be eating butter, make sure you choose butter from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished cows. That would work for almost everybody. Now if you have an allergic reaction, not a sensitivity, but an allergic reaction to dairy, butter would not be a choice for you. So dairy is our very first common trigger for weight gain. Let's talk about the second common trigger for weight gain that we're reviewing today, and that would be eating too much fat. This is such a sensitive subject because there's no answer for everybody. There's no one right amount of fat for everyone. There's no right amount of fat for everybody every single day. It's just very difficult for people to figure this out for their own bodies. But you do want to just know that when you eat keto or you eat carnivore, that doesn't mean that you can eat unlimited amounts of fat and have zero weight gain. I see a lot of people recommending that if you're doing a ketogenic diet or if you're doing carnivore and you haven't been losing weight, just add an extra stick of butter and eat that and you should drop the pounds. And most of the time that does not work. Almost everybody who does that is going to end up either staying the same or gaining weight. I am in no way promoting a low-fat diet. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's easy to get out of control when you're doing keto or carnivore with the fat. It's easy to just think that fat will never make you fat and you can eat unlimited amounts of it. And the truth is, is that some people should actually eat tons and tons of good healthy animal fats for a while to heal their hormones or heal a lot of other conditions. If you've been starving yourself for years, if you've been excessively low fat for years, if you have, you know, trouble getting pregnant or you've lost your period or you have a lot of health problems, eating high amounts of fat can be extremely healing for those people for a period of time, but it also can cause them to either just stagnate with their weight loss or it can cause them to put on some pounds. 
But those people oftentimes can do that for a period of time and then once their body is healing, then they can go into more of a weight loss mode and reduce the fats and they have success with weight loss. So again, I'm not saying that everybody should eat low fat, definitely not. What I'm saying is if you've been trying keto or you've been trying carnivore for long enough and you're seeing that you're not losing weight or you're stagnant with your weight loss and you're frustrated by this and you're eating a lot of fat, perhaps try reducing your fat a little bit and see if it helps. See if you're able to slowly lose some weight never ever go for fast weight loss. If you're losing multiple pounds of weight a week or you know 20 pounds in a month, that is excessive. It's not sustainable and usually it's going to come flying back onto your body and you can oftentimes end up gaining more weight back. So I'm talking about aim for losing about one pound a week or less. Slow and steady and you can oftentimes do that by reducing your fat. There's multiple ways of reducing your fat. You could either just reduce it a little bit every day and just slightly have less fat ongoing. So that could mean that if you're normally putting butter on everything, just butter, 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 and you're having lots of fatty coffees and lots of fatty cuts of meat, well then maybe instead you just don't put butter on everything anymore. But you still continue to have some fatty coffees, you still continue to have some fatty meat, but you're just taking it down a notch with the butter. So it could be that subtle. Or maybe you decide you're not going to have those fatty coffees anymore and you're switching to black coffee, but the rest of your fat in your diet stays the same. Or maybe you decide to try having some leaner cuts of meat and less of um, so much fat on the meat. So like maybe you go from having really fatty, you know, uh, oxtails and ribs and pork chops with those big fat caps on them and instead you're going for some more chicken or some leaner steaks or leaner ground beef or beef roasts that aren't so fatty. So I'm not saying cut it down to the lowest amount of fat possible. I'm just saying that if you look at what you're eating and you see you're eating tons of fat, everything you eat is loaded with fat, then maybe just take that down a notch. Or some people have a lot of success with protein sparing modified fasting, which I am not an expert at. I've been experimenting with it since June. It's almost the end of August or end of July now, so about two months I've been kind of experimenting. I haven't been going gung-ho, mostly because I don't have a lot of fat to lose, but I've been playing around with it. And I'm not going to give all the information on protein sparing modified fasting now. Maybe that can come in a future episode. But what I've learned is that a lot of people will have major success with weight loss on keto or on carnivore if you incorporate occasional very low fat, low calorie days. So that would mean you reduce your fat excessively, like down to as little fat as you can eat, maybe once a week. Or if you are very, very, very obese and you have a lot of weight to lose, like one or two or 250 pounds to lose, then those people could go down or go with the protein sparing modified fast days, maybe three days a week. 
But if you don't have that much weight to lose, then it's once a week or it could even be less. And on those days, you're eating a lot of lean protein. So as much lean protein as you want, that could be in the form of egg whites, chicken breasts, very lean beef, any proteins that you like that are very, very lean. And then the rest of your days, you're just eating your normal keto or normal carnivore diet. Now, I do know that Maria Emmerich has a uh, like a calculator on her website to measure out your macros. You could try that if you want. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm not at all a fan of counting macros. I don't promote that. I don't do it myself. I've tried it. I've experimented with it, but personally I find it's not a good idea. Um, I think people have a lot more success long term when you don't count and track everything because you really learn to pay attention to what you're eating and you learn to think critically rather than stick to numbers. Your body changes all the time and your macro needs are going to change day by day and it depends on about a million factors. So if you get stuck in your head where you have to count specific macros or you don't even know what to eat, that's really not a good idea. You really need to become a person who's educated about what you're eating. You make educated choices every single time you put food in your mouth or go to the grocery store or cook dinner and not rely on just counting macros. However, if you have absolutely no idea where to start and you don't know anything about how to choose fats, proteins, or carbs, then it can be helpful to count macros for a couple of weeks just so you can even learn like how much fat is in something or how much protein is in this pound of beef. If you have absolutely no idea, it's good to just kind of start from somewhere. So I'll link Maria Emmerich's calculator in the show notes, and she has a few choices where you can um, calculate for protein sparing modified fast days or maintenance or weight loss, a lot of different things. And you could try that out. Uh, It's not for everybody. It's, you know, you have to be a certain personality to like that kind of thing. It's not for me, but I know some people will benefit from that. But the point here is that If you've been doing really well, you're consistent with keto and carnivore, one or the other, and you're not losing the extra weight, consider decreasing your fat, either just slightly for long term, or decrease your fat dramatically about once a week or so. So that's going to be all for today. Our two common triggers for weight gain would be dairy and eating too much fat. Please rate and review the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really does help this show have more success. But what can be even more helpful is if you share this podcast with a friend or a family member or a stranger. Make it a goal this week to tell one person about Project Keto Podcast. And here's how you can do it. You could send them an email with a link to the show. You could send them a text with your favorite episode. There's a little share button on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So you could just click that little like arrow shaped share button and send it to your favorite person. Or you could take a screenshot on your phone of this episode that you're listening to right now and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Madeline Rosie Evergreen so that I I can see you're listening. 
it really does brighten someone's day when you share something that you love with them especially something that's free. So go off, go ahead and do that. Make it a goal this week to share with your friends. And I'm so grateful for you listening. And I will catch you in a week. Bye.